Yes, people. Welcome to episode 56 of Echoes from the Goddamn Void. And people, I, I think, I think this is our one year anniversary of podcasting. So, um, yeah, man, back from Brooklyn, had an incredible time at Skangfest. It was, oh my God, it was so much fun, man. So much fun. But before I get into that, I, I do feel there's something that really does need to be addressed because there uh, seems to be a lot of outlets talking about Louis CK and the fact that he did a surprise set on Sunday um now I, I look a lot the, it seems a lot of the people writing these articles didn't even come to the festival so it kind of baffles me how you can speak on something that you weren't a part of because Everyone in the goddamn building was so hyped that CK did a set. He showed up. You know, and I'm saying anyone you asked, anyone, like staff, security, like every single fan I spoke to, they were just like, oh my God, I caught the set. It was incredible. Or I didn't catch the set. At the time, um, I was in Kill Tony. So I was in Kill Tony and Dave Smith dropped the fact that CK was doing a set. Everyone in the room just went quiet because they were gutted that they weren't going to see it. You know what I mean? And like, everyone had to be told, yo, don't leave the room because the set is finished. Because everyone was ready to get up and go listen to CK do his thing. Um, look, a lot of people are saying that he shouldn't be allowed back to comedy. Which, it just seems a bit weird. It seems a bit weird and it seems extremely... Um, it seems extremely inconsistent, you know, because, look, this is the thing, right? I understand what happened, like, it, it, it's not exactly something that you would, um, you know, say to people, oh, th yeah, this is fine to do, you know, this is a good thing. Obviously, we, we realize that, we understand that. But, but, right, from, from what I'm aware, I might be wrong, I might be wrong, it, it's happens every once in a while, but he always asked, can I masturbate, can I do this, now, yes, some people may have felt like, oh, I feel uncomfortable saying no, but you have that, you, you do have that option to say no, and you have people that said no, then years later go, oh, I felt uncomfortable. But, but it's a question, do you or are you just saying that because? It's a tricky one. I can't comment on it. I wasn't in the room. But what I'm saying is, 
he always asked. So whether the, um, you know, the acceptance of the thing was a true acceptance of the thing or if it was uncomfortable, no one's going to know that. But the thing is this, right? There are other people that have done worse and are, are fine to come back. You know, people accept them back. Like, Leanna Dunnan wrote in her autobiography the fact that she used to force toys up her sister's vagina. No one said shit to her. Like, no one... And, and I believe at the time, it was an age where you kind of know not to do that shit. And I think she even said she knew, but did it anyway. But no one comments on that. Everyone still goes to watch Woody Allen films. You know? And Woody Allen... Gee, come on, people. Like, he fucked his daughter. I think he married his fucking daughter. Like, if that's not creepy, then what the fuck is? People still go to see his films. Big actors still clamour to be in his films. Studios are still putting those films out. Like, there's the um, the other director that raped and then fled the US. It, it, it's just like there's so many other people that have done worse things and are still allowed to make a living. People that have, like, beat up partners, you know, attacked people. Like, stuff like that. It's not great. It's not great. So, to go... Oh, having... I, there was one article saying that Louis C.K. But if, a, if a, um, a venue books him, they're putting their staff at risk. So, you're telling me that people that have been arrested for spousal abuse... Like, you know, that that's fine then? Like, you know... People aren't going to feel like, you know, they're um, in danger. Be consistent, people. Be consistent. If you're going to allow these other people to come back, if you're going to allow these other people to make a living, you got to do the same for CK. you got to do it. You know, it is like, how long did you want him to be away? This is the big question. How long did you want him to be gone? Right? Yeah, I, this is a, the craziness of everything. It's like, people do these things. People say, oh, he shouldn't be allowed to do this. He should be gone, blah, blah, blah. But, so what, what? what's the time frame, people? Because no one ever says what the time frame is. They just say he shouldn't be allowed. You know, like Sarah Silverstone, a great female comedian, a great comedian. She said, look, she has no problem with it. Like, she, you know what I mean, she's just like, look, he did a thing. Look, I'm, I'd be fine for him to come back. I'd be fine for him to do comedy. So who really are the ones that are outraged, just these people that seem to want to be outraged at every single thing that happens in the world, because it's never really the people that it concerns, you know, like, how many times has 
when Louis dropped in. Like, if you ask all the female comedians who were at Skankfest, were you, did you feel in danger knowing Louis was in the room? I can guarantee that none of them would go, yeah, I felt like my life was in fucking danger. So that's the thing, people. That's the thing. And I felt that needed to be addressed. Um, Listen, right? Because, yeah, I only landed yesterday. So I landed on Tuesday. My flight was late. So, yeah, there's not going to be news in today's podcast. That's it. We're talking CK. And um, so now... I'm going to hit you with my my breakdown of Skankfest. Well, so, um, yeah, day one of Skankfest, people, it was, yeah, it was a freaking blast. It was a blast. But, man... It is started kind of crazy. So um, there was a meant to be, like everyone meeting at the creek and then walking down to Brooklyn Bazaar. Um, so you know, I thought, all right, let me head to that. Let me uh, check it out. Because you know what I mean? Because then you can start talking to people and whatever. You know. So I thought, yeah, it's probably easier doing that than trying to. You know what I mean? Do shit in dark rooms. So I was heading, um, kind of got a little lost. Seems to be another theme of this trip. Uh, but yeah, finally worked out where the fuck I was going. And I'm crossing the bridge. And then I notice a load of people walking like in the other direction. Uh, so I stop a group. I was like, yo, what's going down? And they're like, oh yeah, um, we're all heading to the bazaar, I'm like, uh, okay, so I followed, you know what I mean, because that's what you do, you follow the crowd, so followed everyone, um, and got to, yeah, got to the bazaar, um, they didn't have all the badges, so we're just waiting for them to open, then it all opened, everyone going in, it's all good, um, I was talking to this uh, young lady in the in the line who makes the most incredible like wrestling figure things. I, you know, I, uh, which that does not do it justice. I cannot remember like what she uses. Um, some sort of clay and stuff, but they, they were. F- Friggin' incredible, man. She showed me some pictures on that Insta. Yeah, they were they were really cool. But <laughs> we uh, they're doing bands before you get in, and they're like ID, and I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about because I didn't bring shit with me. I left all my shit in my room. Um, and she's like. Uh, and so this girl was like, oh, yeah, I got ID. You didn't bring ID? I'm like, no. And we are just, want, and so we were wondering if it would be fine. Because I had, you know, I, I've got my email on my phone. So I, I found the email that, you know, of purchase and all of that. So get to the front. 
Um, yeah, <laughs> I wasn't getting in. I wasn't getting in. Luckily, um, Greenpoint was like very close, so I walked back, grabbed some ID, came. The line was even longer, so rejoined the line. Finally got in. So boom, all good, great. Um, then I'm just like, uh how the fuck do I know what's going on? So I spoke to one of the um one of the the the, the guys in the yellow tops, like the kind of stewards, kind of stewards. I think they're the interns. I don't know because yeah, I can't really make anyone out in the dark, man. Uh, and he's trying to help. Um. But we, yeah, but we're trying to work out what to do. He then goes speak to someone, and she comes over and she's just like, "Oh, you know what? I'll I'll, I'll try and make a, a different version for you." And I'm like, "Ah, it's the font size. It's the font size, though." So she emailed me the um the program, which was so nice of her, and and it turned out it was Christine who um yeah, it was Christine. So I was like, ah, that's awesome. Thank you. So when the email came through, so I had it and everything like that. But it's just like I'm walking through and she's like, oh, did it work? It's dark. I didn't even know what the f- I didn't even see anyone in front of me. And then suddenly <laughs> I'm just like, ah, jump out and jumped. And I'm just like, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all golden. It's golden. So it was cool. So. I finally found out what the fuck was was going on. So I'm like, all right, okay. Being a bit of a rough start, but let's let's see how this is going to go. But I'm just sitting in this room thinking this was probably a huge fucking mistake. Coming to this on my motherfucking J's. Um, but yeah, but. Yo, so I, I figured I was going to go check out um, the the first stand-up showcase. Because there was the, there was a, the Anthony Cumier podcast happening. But, like, the, the, it was going upstairs in one of the rooms upstairs. And so many people had kind of gone up there already that the room was rammed so i was just a bit like all right i'm gonna coach downstairs check out the comedy showcase which was cool lewis was hosting it so i'm like, yeah you know it's a good start to the day um so yeah was down there um lewis comes everyone goes crazy is like harrington introduces him and um yeah then ari walks in Lights go off. Ari comes to the stage. Music, boom, 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 and then Ari fucking takes over, and it was hilarious. It was hilarious, man. It was like, yeah, obviously it was all worked out, you know what I mean, in advance. But it was just funny. It was like, yeah, the way they did it, it, it was great. So, um, so yeah, Ari did. One of his, um, you know, storytelling shows. Like, this is not happening. Uh, which was cool. So, we had, um, yo, who give, did the stories? Um, fuck. Dave Smith. 
Justin Silva. Fuck. Man, I cannot remember the other dude. Sam Tripoli gave a story. Can't remember the other dude. That's irritating. Um, but yeah, every everything was hilarious. Ari told the story. And it's like, you know, it was one from his travels around Asia that I hadn't heard on any of the other podcasts before. It's fucking hilarious. And I think the moral is never try and wrestle a banana from a gibbon. <laughs> so, yeah, that was great. So that was friggin' hilarious. So once that finished... Um, I headed and caught the end of Love, Doug Love's movies. He was doing one of, he's doing a, a you know a recording of that podcast upstairs. So caught that, that was cool. Um, then I came back downstairs and I checked out the start of another, um, yeah, showcase um, hosted by Rich Voss. So I caught Rich did a bit, then Mike, uh, was it Mike? Yeah, Mike Vecchione, and then Robert Kelly. So that was all hilarious. Um, Then I headed, I went to go to Legion of Skanks podcast. I got all of that mixed up. And so I was waiting in the corner. Everyone else went outside, so, ah, yeah, fuck that up, didn't, had no clue what was going on, so, um, but I did manage to get in the room, and um, that was hilarious, but I didn't stay till the all, because I'm standing, and at that time, my, yeah, god damn it, the pain in my knees and shit was getting crazy, so I was like, alright, I'm going, going downstairs, to catch another showcase um yeah i'm gonna do that (laughs) so i uh i went to that instead and i'm gutted because i missed because i I virtually saw it all but i missed um ari telling lewis if he sucked his dick he wasn't gonna do anything else missed it that would have been hilarious. So I went downstairs and caught Kurt Metzger. Yeah. Um Adrian Um Ikapaluki. Oh, I pronounced that wrong. Um <laughs> Dan Soda. Um yeah, I, I, oh, see, I think Keith Robinson was there, but I think I crashed for 15 minutes, <laughs> because, um, yeah, the crazy, so the crazy thing is, like, flying out, I had, I hadn't, I haven't slept since Wednesday, so, um, no, sorry, Tuesday, because, yeah, so I was up all Wednesday, and then I got here, and then it's all the flight and everything like that, but I couldn't really sleep on the flight, and, you know, the time I landed, it was just a thing, so, I've, I've, yeah, I got, I got, yeah, I think I, I crashed for 15 minutes, 
and missed Keith Robinson. Because then later in the night, I think it was Keith Robinson. But um, actually, I'll get to that. I'll get to that. So, yeah, did that. That was hilarious. Um, Then, what the fuck did I do next? Oh, yes. So, it it was a quick turnaround. And um, so, the, the next one in that room was um so it's gonna be dave smith damian lemon tony hinchcliffe and um janine jalofalo god damn it janine goddamn jalofalo people i have to say i had the hugest crush on this chick from back in the day so when I saw she was on the lineup, I was just like, oh, this is incredible. I've got to go see her. So obviously, yeah, caught that. She was awesome. It, it was just hilarious. Like it wasn't a traditional comedy set, but it was hilarious. She is still fine. Um, so yeah, it was awesome. So caught that It did run a bit long So um, Yamanika and Ari Were then moved upstairs To um, Be on Jimmy Martinez's uh, Like set show that was happening So um, yeah went up to that So Jimmy Martinez Khalees Hawkins Mike Finola, Dolce Sloan, um, yeah, and Yamanika and Ari, and um, yeah, that was that was great, that was awesome. Like Jimmy Martinez is fucking hilarious, and he got Mike Finola's name wrong, which was ah, it was just jokes, it was jokes. So that that was great, um. And, uh, yeah, who was the fuck? Ah, there was someone in that set. So, yeah, so I caught that. And, fuck, there was someone. Yeah, someone else was added to that set. And I forget the motherfucker's name. Because he was then doing a musical piece. And this other dude came and joined him. And then he ad-libbed a song that I fell asleep. <laughs> I fell asleep downstairs during one of the other fucking sets. And I'm just like, ah, shit. <laughs> uh, it was all jokes, man. It was hilarious. I have to say, I don't know. I have, Yeah, it baffles me. But a lot of the comedians were like, "Are you blind?" I did. I didn't realize I was. I was giving off a blind, uh, a a a, a rumor or something. But um, yeah, it seemed to be a trend of the day. But it was hilarious. It was jokes. So after that, went downstairs, caught some the end of the naked roast battle. Um. 
And then there was another lot of comedy right downstairs. And that was good. And it ended with a little burlesque show. So, um, yeah. Day one of Skankfest was lit. Looking forward to day two. So, I'm going to go check that out in a minute. All right. Peace. Okay, so, people. Day two of Skankfest. Man. So... Yo, I got to the venue early um, because, um, yeah, there was the Stone Science Fair and it sounded like fun. So I went, stepped into the place, man. And I think this is when I should have realized the day was going to be one of those days because there's all these signs up going free weed downstairs. I'm like, yo. Okay, okay, this is what we're talking about. So I went downstairs and <laughs> so the signs are pointing to the Stone Science Fair. Walked in and there's all this shit like, like set up. So I'm like, oh shit, this will be fun. Then I realized I couldn't read anything <laughs> that was was there all these things for like experiments for you to try and everything like that couldn't read any of it it was all it was just too small i'm just like ah shit um yeah i tried to uh kind of tag along with some with, with, with some people uh that didn't work <laughs> yeah that didn't work so uh yeah i left <laughs> god damn left man i was just like god damn it no weed so disappointed so from there i came up and yo because it was a bonfire and i was like oh shit that's always good let me check that out uh but i did, like there was a lot of lines but I didn't, um, the, because like, you look in one direction, right? So yesterday, when there was a few, they were going in, they were from one direction. And so I was looking, and there was no lines in that direction. You look the other way, and there was all people smoking. So I'm like, oh, okay, huh, I don't know what's going on. Um, I went back in, then I came back out, and yeah, there's everyone queuing in the, 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 the original direction, I'm like, oh shit, uh, how did I miss that, okay, fine, and so, like, you know, it was crazy, there was no way I was getting the seat, which was fine, it was fine, so I just stood at the back, and um, yeah, listened to a lot of, the, lot of that, and it was hilarious, you know what I mean, it, it, it was definitely funny, so that was cool. Um, and then I went down because, you know what I mean? I think a lot, then there was stuff that, like, I don't know. I couldn't see anything. So I was a bit like, all right, I'm missing out. So I went down, um, because there was, all through the day, there was a lot of the um, kind of new faces of comedy kind of open mic, not open mic, but, uh, you know, stand-up slots, so I caught a lot of that, um, you know, all new cats who submitted, 
And yeah, they were funny. They were funny. Can't remember any names, man. I'm like my memory is just so fucked. But yeah, they were funny for sure. Uh, so from there, I went to um, the Would You Bang Me podcast hosted by Rich Voice and Bonnie McFarland. God damn it. That was fucking fun. Like, because, you know, I, 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 I you know, they they were always on um, Roastmasters and, you know, and it always had a fun dynamic. So I was a bit like, yeah, I've always been meaning to check their podcast out, but never just got around to it. I've got, I, I think I listened to too much shit. Oh, trying to find the time to catch up, man. But um, yeah, so I figured, all right, good opportunity. Let me go. So I went so funny, so funny, man. So like they had um, a panel of, I think it was five girls. Five five ladies, five ladies in comedy. Um, uh, who was it? It was the girls, guys. We fuck girls. Corin Fisher and I. I always get the other girl's name wrong, but it was those two girls. You know those girls. It was them, Kim Condon, um, Karen Fian. I want to say there was someone else. I forget. But yeah, so it was them. And then like um, some dudes would come, do their comedy. And then they were like voted. Because it was all on the plate of like, because you know, girls always say, if a guy, hey, looks don't matter. I just want a guy that can make me laugh, which is always bullshit. But so it was a play on that. Um. So yeah, who was there? I think it was Josh Myers, um, Ari Shafir, Michael Che, Mike Feeney, and I think Mike Cannon. Yeah, I think it was them. I think I'm missing someone as well. But yeah, it was it was good. It was it was fucking funny. Loved it. It was great. So from there, it was just like, shit, where to go, man? Where to go? So um, I went and caught um, some more stand-up. But it was then a bit like, oh, Kill Tony. So I, I, I was trying to find a cue for Kill Tony. And again, looked in the original direction, no cue. Spoke to some security. I'm like, so cue for Kill Tony? They're like, no. I'm like, all right, all right. So yeah, went to stand up, came out, um, walked out the door, and then I was just like, okay, um, what what's going over there? They're like, oh, that's a cue for Kill Tony. I'm like, what? <laughs> there was a cue for Kill Tony. I didn't know, and it went. Fucking round the block. It was insane. So obviously I missed um yeah, I I I I missed getting my name in the motherfucking hat. I was gutted. Gutted. But um hey, it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. The band dressed up as the skanks. It was it was hilarious. It was hilarious, man. It was awesome. Loved it. 
Uh, and uh, and uh, some good 60-second comedies as well. Some good 60-second comedies, man. Uh, so that was, yeah, that was good. That was, that was real good. Um, and fucking some 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 girl who she's like um she she did the last set and she's also training to be a wrestler so yo jeremiah let her body slam him i was like oh shit that was that was crazy but yo i think he was wearing a lot of padding because he was dressing up as big big jay so um, yeah, I think that must have helped him. <laughs> but yeah, that was it was great, man. So from there, I went down, um, caught some of Delise. I caught Delise Stone, um, Doug Benson, Tony Hinchcliffe, um, Derek uh, Derek Baines. Um, yeah, that was good. Friggin' ah, funny. Oh, I think Rich Voss was on that as well. So yeah, that that would that, that yeah, that was that was another funny uh, set. And then checked out some of the other new cats. So caught them, came back up, came back up, right? And god damn it. So I walked in and there's this um there's a lady she was doing her thing and yo I was so pleased that I came in at that time because she tore it up. Oh my god, she was fucking hilarious, man. And it was it was Jessica Kirkson. Oh, killer, straight killer. So I'm going to try and catch her. Hopefully she comes towards the UK. Uh yeah, man. Uh, so then went up goddamn comedy jam. So um, yeah, Josh Adam Myers, Big J, Tony, Christi- Christina Hutchkins. That's the other guys we fuck girl. Christina Hutchkins, who did Smashing Pumpkins. Ah, awesome. Yeah. So goddamn comedy jam was fucking great. So um, yeah, from there, just went. Caught some more, um, caught some more stand up. So yeah, it was it was a good day, man. It was a good day, but yeah, I need to um try and work out the fucking lining system because today, or day three, Sunday, that is going to be the last chance to try and do a set on Kill Tony. So that that that's that's the aim, that's the goal gonna make it happen gotta make it happen and i i definitely need caffeine because fuck man this lethargy was kicking my ass yesterday i was just like oh i felt so fucking out of it for so much of the day but you know it didn't fuck up the, you know it didn't fuck up things i still had a, a great great day of comedy um so that was cool yeah, I caught up with, with Hinchcliffe a few times. That so that that was funny, and like leaving. So I was, uh, I was on my way, uh, like you know, once it was all said and done, went to go get some food, and um, I'm standing at the other side of the road, 
waited to cross and then someone's like kind of waving and shit i it's like on the other side I'm, I, obviously i can't see who the fuck it is and then the the, the the lights change and they're crossing the road it's fucking hinchcliffe and joeberg he, and he's just like yo and he, he's like yeah he realized i couldn't see him so it's cool so yeah that was that was cool that was got like one of the nicest motherfucking guys around for sure you know what i mean for sure um so yeah gonna gonna kind of um yeah just just kill it with day three gonna have a lot of fun man so day three we got a yeah lot going on there's kill tony there's um capital wrestling lewis and harrington are fighting so um yeah looking forward to it all so yeah I don't know, man. I will report in once it's all said and done, people. Yo, so people, you know what? Day three of Skankfest. It. <laughs> I mean, how could it not be anything but great? Because the other days were incredible. You know what I mean? So it was just like. There was no way day three was going to be a drop-off, you know? So, um, yeah, it, it started with um, Capital Wrestling. Uh, I have never been to a wrestling match live. As a kid, you know what I mean? I, like, loved WWF, you know? So those were the days of Rowdy Roddy Piper, like, Piper was my favorite fucking wrestler back in the day, man. Um, so yeah, it was back then with Piper, Hogan, Warrior, like Andre the Giant, Jimmy Snooker, Superfly, Texas Tornado, all those cats, man. Jake the Snake, loved it, loved it. Um, you know, then shit changes, so I'm a bit like, eh. You know, it got to a point where you just stop. So, stopped watching it. But, yeah, like, they have wrestling in the UK, but, you know, I don't know. Just never. And also, I knew. I'd never see it that well if I tried to go light. But, no, this was, it's cool, man. Like, managed to get close to the stage. So, kind of saw some. I mean, I was never going to see it in intricate. But caught some of it, and it was it was fun as fuck. It was fun as fuck. Zach Amico came out, did his thing. Zach was awesome. You know what I mean? Zach was awesome. So, yeah, it was that. And then it ended with the big fucking fight. So you had Harrington come out with um, Kareen and Christina. Uh, And he shaved, shaved, shaved his fucking head. Trim that goddamn beard down. So it's like, fuck. Okay. Like, is Bisping gonna have to hand out 5Gs? Who knows, man? And um, then Lewis came out. At first, we were like, oh, Lewis ain't coming. Then he came in through a different entrance and, like, place went insane. And then the fight started. And, uh, yeah. Bisping. Still has his five G's. <laughs> and Harrington, man. Whoa. 
Whoa. Yo, it did not go well for him, man. It did not go well for him at all. But, you know, it is what it is. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. You know, I like Arrington's still going to be working. It's cruel. It's all good. Uh, so after that, um, I, like, I, was I was still feeling a bit mash. I was still feeling a bit mash. So um, I just wandered around a bit. Went to, um, again, went to some of the showcases, caught a lot of the up-and-coming um, guys doing their thing. So that was all good. Came back to my hotel, chilled a little, um, and then went back and, um, yeah, it was all about Kill Tony. It was all, that was the main thing of this day it was about kill tony and it was about you know trying to make sure that i got my goddamn name on the list and yeah i, I was gonna I, I would get a slot so um yeah it, it was definitely a different um a different day to um, the the saturday kill tony you know, there was a lot of people missing the mark, um, but it was still fun. It's fun. It's in. It's always interesting to see people try and work their, their shit. You know what I mean? Try and do their thing because anyone can bomb. That's the crazy thing. It's like you know that you could bomb. Like people ain't gonna be, like in your head. You're thinking, yo, this shit is funny, and then everyone else is like, nah. No, it's not, son. Um, so yeah, it was interesting, man. But like towards the end, it started. It picked up for sure. Picked up for sure. Um, like a cat from who won on the road, and, and then was flown in when um Lewis was on Kill Tony. So he came. I think it was Stephen Lee. I think it was Stephen Lee. I don't. Uh, my memory is so shit. But um, yeah, he killed. He was cool. He did his thing, man. And um, yeah. Then your boy got the call. Oh man, I was like, oh shit. And um, yeah. You know what? So like, my mouth was mad dry. I was like dry. I was kind of like, Rah. I was, I was a bit mashed but I was like alright no, this is it man this is it let me do my thing and I'm working and I'm, I was just like alright let me do this one but then I was like oh or should I do the other one you know should I do the Attenborough Pussy um, but no I, I didn't I went to return policy and thankfully Yo, it went over. It went over well. And yeah, that was it, man. That was it. This like my ankle was fucked going into this, right? Um but as soon as I got on that stage and did my goddamn set and it was all over, I wasn't even couldn't even feel the pain in my ankle. Just like the adrenaline was just bubbling fat the rest of that night just bubbling man and um you know what I mean it's like when you're walking past people like people you don't know p 
people you don't know and they make a, a point of coming over to you and, um, you know what I mean? They, they make a point of coming over to you and going, yo, that was funny, man. We enjoyed that. That was just like, that was fucking crazy. Because you don't expect it. You know what I mean? You're like, all right, cool. Um, So, yeah, like for the rest of the evening, I had people be like, yo, loved your set, loved your set, man. That was just fucking insane. That was such a fucking... That was insane. Yeah. It was incredible. It was incredible, man. Um, Tony Hinchcliffe is a motherfucking... He's the man. He is the man. Because, yeah. Yeah, you know, I I kept on bumping into him. He's a friendliest motherfucker. Um, And he just showed love, man. He showed love. Yeah. Can't say enough kind things about Tony Kinchcliffe and the rest of those cats as well. Red Band, um, Joe Berg, uh, Jeremiah, just they're a great bunch of goods, man. And um, yo, and and also did the set in front of Ari, um, Bonnie, and Rich for us. So that was cool. Yeah, that yeah, fucking incredible. It was definitely the cherry on motherfucking top of this goddamn weekend. Yeah, it was awesome. So, you know, he checked out some more, like, stand-up. Then I went to, um, what's your fucking deal? <laughs> uh, so that, that's Big J's kind of crowd work thing. And it was, it was good. It was good. So Big J did some crowd work. And then um, some other people came up and did their thing as well. So we had um, Yamanika, uh, Saunders, Tim Dillon. Um, I think Dante Dante Nero came up and did something. I know there was someone else, but I can't fucking remember. But yeah, that was a lot of fucking fun. Yeah, that 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 was cool. So, yeah, went, checked out some more stand-up. Um, and then, yo, had to go to the um, Death Squad uh, set that was hosted by Red Band. So, went to that. And that was, that was a lot of fucking fun, man. So, we had um, Sam Tripoli. Uh, fuck. Who else was there? Um, I think Josh. Yeah, Josh Adam Myers was there. Tim Dillon was there. Hinchcliffe was there. I I think Ari was there. I forget. I forget. But yeah, it was fucking awesome. It was it was so much fun, man. So much fun. So after that, popped down, caught a little bit more stand up. Then it was a goddamn comedy jam. So, yeah, went to that at the end of Saturday night. That was fire. Um, but, as my ankle's fucked, I left a little bit early. But I stayed all the way through this one. It was inc- fucking incredible, man. Everyone just tore it up. Tore it up. It was so fun. So fucking fun. And the energy in the room 
was insane. It was insane. It, it, it was, ah, it was the best. It was the best way to win the fucking night, man. Best way to win the night. This has been an incredible trip. Like, so glad I came. And, um, yeah, I like, you know what I mean? I kept on saying, like, I just want to do a set. I just want to do a set. That would make this. I was looking forward just to come and hear some great comedy. You know what I mean? And especially because not everyone that was here tours the UK. So it was a bit like, it was a great opportunity to, um, yeah, just see some different people as well. So that was the main, that was like always a big thing, right? And if I could do a set on top, that, I was always thinking in my head, that would make this just such an incredible experience. So the fact that it all came together, man, just incredible. It's been so much fucking fun. It's hard just to put into words, you know what I mean? <laughs> I did a little... um. I did my first fucking Insta live video. I don't even know if people could hear me. As I was just walking down the street. I was just so fucking pumped still. So I was like, yo, I just need to fucking, like, memorize. You know what I mean? Just kind of record this shit. So, yeah. That, yeah. It was just, it's incredible, man. I'm just like, <sighs> I just, now it's about trying to, um... Yeah, just continue the shit in the UK. So that's the plan, man. That's the fucking plan, you know? But uh, yeah, Skankfest 2020, for sure, you know, man. And look, if you haven't been, you need to get your ass to Skankfest. It is the best damn comedy festival in the world. In the world. Definitely. So yeah, it, it look, it was incredible. Like I don't know what else to say. I yeah, I like as I said when I got there, I was kind of like, what the fuck have I done? So I couldn't see anything. I couldn't. It was hard to, you know. That that's the one. That's the one problem. It, it it's just like when you can't see shit. It's, it's just like it makes it difficult to know where to go it makes it difficult to talk to people because you don't you know what i mean it's hard to see like those people those people are talking right all right i can't you know what i mean like ah, oh, what's going on over there it just makes everything a bit difficult but because it's a comedy festival you know, and, and the main thing is like look it was all about going to hear jokes and have fun so once you get into that and you're listening just to all of that, it's like nothing else really matters. You know what I mean? So it was awesome. I had a blast. And the fact that I was able to do a, a set Kill Tony, that was just, that was fucking incredible. It was fucking incredible. And it like Tony Inchcliffe is the motherfucking man. I, I can't say enough about Tony Hinchcliffe, because he's an awesome dude, you know, and look, this, this, this is the thing, it's, I, I've been to comedy clubs in the UK, people are weird, the co like, it's a weird kind of thing, because it, it's all clicky, it's all fucking clicky, 
and but whenever you hear like a lot of like the 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 great comedians talk about how they got started like someone helped them out someone showed them the ropes someone you know gave them advice and stuff like that like so you know what I mean being able to talk to Hinchcliffe and all of that that was so goddamn valuable you know and it and it really gives you that kind of emphasis to like yo let me continue this shit you know what I mean just work everything else out and uh yeah just try and continue so that is the plan man that's the plan we'll see what happens hospital next week so hopefully one as soon look as busy that's the main thing like if i can get all this shit sorted out then the comedy uh, you know doing the open mics that will be a lot easier but even so still gonna try a ting you know what i mean but all right we've talked skank fest so um yeah I went to a BBC thing last night, so let's 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 drop that, okay? Right. So after an epic few days at Skankfest, touchdown in the UK this morning, and was like, "What am I gonna do?" Then I remembered, hey, I got some free tickets to um. The BBC Introducing Radio 4 Comedy Awards. Heat 2. So, boom. That's what you do. You chase comedy with comedy. You know what I mean? It's, it's just like... It sounds like the perfect thing. I, I The plane was late. So I was thinking, maybe I don't go. And then I was like, nah, fuck it, man gotta keep this shit moving you know what i mean so yeah went to this thing so what it is um i i went last year yeah if you go back 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 in the pod there should be a review of this from last year and um yeah so there's they take i think what did they say they they had 700 entries they whittled that down to 50 and so in each heat, you hear 10 comics. So you hear f- five in the first half, 15-minute break, then there's another five. So the comics in the first half were Esther Manito, Rajiv Karaya, Herbert Mayer, Luke Craig, and Ophelia Hukard. Um, in the second half was Chloe Petz, Joe Hobbs, Shan Doxy, Alex Franklin, and Sid Singh. Um, yeah, some of the headshots. The headshots are interesting. Um, you'd have to look at my Insta to see the headshots. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Some of them are definitely trying way too hard. Some are just weird, you know. But fuck it, man. They're doing their thing. I ain't hating. But um, yeah. And so it's funny, man. After hearing some of the best voices in comedy, 
I come here and it's just yo it was it's a 180 it's a 180 man now look I'm not saying these people are terrible I'm not saying that but it's just it's not the humor I'm looking for I think the thing is and yeah and it and it makes sense right because it's for the BBC they're playing it on the B, on BBC Radio 4. So you're not going to get, you know what I mean? You're not going to get people like Luis Gomez, Jimmy Martinez, um, Kim Condon. You, you're not going to hear people like that on here. They would never get through because they can't play that on the radio. They're, yeah, they're not looking for that type of comedy. So this stuff is very safe. It, 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 yeah, it's very safe. You you kind of know where all the jokes are gonna go. I think that's how I'd kind of describe this. Now maybe they can be edgier, but these they just will like ah, I want to win this competition. This is how I'm gonna play it. But yeah, well it was is an evening of very safe jokes. Ink some low hanging fruit and all of that. I mean, I would say in the first half, probably um, the the person that stood out was I would say Luke Craig. Luke Craig, you know what I mean? Ink, he was the one that was like, okay, yeah, I I think Luke's the best of the batch. I think I've seen Luke as well at Comedy Virgins. Um. So, yeah, in the second half, um, ain't the person that really stood out in the second half was probably Sid Singh, I would say. Yeah, I would say Sid Singh was the one that stood out the most. I One thing I did notice a lot, like, because some of the comedians did it and the, the lady that hosted, I forget her name, um... But it was talking about, like, sexuality. But talking about it like, oh, look at me. I'm kind of special because I'm a lesbian or I'm bisexual. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's just like, look, I kind of feel that would have been fine. Like, I don't know, like, at least five years ago. Five years ago, I'd probably say a bit longer, but maybe not. As long as 10 years I want to say 10 But maybe not 10 But You know what I mean I, I, I would have thought That these sort of jokes Would have been then But now No one gives a fuck That you're a lesbian Or you're bisexual Who cares man It's not an It's not a thing Now yes Obviously There's people that You know Like the girls were attacked on a bus And everything like that So yeah There are some arseholes out there Who are going to make a big deal out of it And who are going to be offensive But I think the majority of people Don't really care They just don't care It's not a big deal But a lot of the jokes were, Were kind of around these things And like It just didn't have to be said I feel Sometimes it's like the host, she made a joke about, um, oh, babysitting, like, some of the audience members' kids. And they're like, she's like, oh, yeah, your kid's been babysitted by a lesbian. And it was like, 
This is like the weird thing is you taking the kid. It's not the fact that you're a lesbian. That's not the. So it was just a bit like, ah, what's happening, man? Like, why are we trying to play things like this? Like, look, Radio Four is so edgy. Oh, they've got lesbian comics on there. Huh. And it was just a bit like that, you know. I think the other problem is the audience. The audience was, was, yeah, it 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 wasn't a skank fest audience. <laughs> it wasn't a vape Chernobyl <laughs> or a party thrown by um some high school dropouts. It, it definitely wasn't that. Um, yeah, it's, this is the thing I notice about a lot of these BBC things. You have this really old audience that turns up and like listening to them before before anything starts. Like some of them just be like, oh, yeah. So I, I got tickets to go and see who's lying. Is it anyway? Oh, yeah. And I saw Mock of the Week. And um, yeah, we're trying to get tickets to go see this. And it's just like. You're just trying to tick off shows. Like, do you actually really like this stuff? Or are you just trying to meet some sort of weird quota you have? Because they're laughing at some weird shit. It's just, the, the, yeah, it's just weird. The audience is weird. They haven't got the... Hu- like, I know for a fact... I couldn't have told the joke I told at Kill Tony at this thing tonight. Couldn't have told it. It wouldn't have worked. Wouldn't have got. It would not have got off with that crowd. So yeah, it's just yeah, it's just a weird thing for me, man. And like what happened last year, and I believe the year before that, the people that won were just like, what? It was definitely a what kind of moment. Like, um, one person was a, a, a runner-up who I thought was one of the people that probably stood out over the rest. So they were a runner-up. The other runner-up, hmm, the other runner-up was definitely a bit weird. The winner, yeah, winner was a bit weird too. Um, some jokes, hacky, heard them before from other people, so it's a bit like, oh no, oh no, but yeah, to be honest, it doesn't surprise me from the BBC, and as I said, look, I'm not saying these people are terrible, not saying these people are bad, it's just a completely different humour, it's a completely different humour, it's a very safe humour. And obviously, there is an audience for that. It's, it's BBC Radio Four, you know. But um, yeah, it, it just it, it just makes you think about the UK scene, and like where you could kind of go to try and get some exposure and stuff. Because like entering something like this, I mean, obviously, I can I could write safe jokes, but. It's just a bit boring, really. You know? It's just a bit boring. I did write something earlier today while I was waiting. So, um, I mean, there's that. There's that. 
like it's always i think going to these things even though it's maybe not my type of thing it still does help with creativity it still does make you think so um yeah it was good for that good for that for sure but um yeah i i think they're going to announce the winner next week i think they're playing this next week on the radio so you'll be able to see who won it then um but yeah if you like a hobnob oh what have i just said hmm <laughs> but yeah yeah um yeah night of comedy it, it was yeah, it wasn't skank fest but but better than staying in doing nothing you know what i mean so um yeah that that's that's that we'll see what happens next right okay people so while i was um having fun in brooklyn there was a ufc event it was um e- an esp plus card their 12th and it was Morikano v the korean zombie from greenville and um yeah, so got back, had to check it out, and god damn it, this was a fight card for sure. Like, there was just some incredible fights on this card, man. Like, just a fight to start off. So you had Darren Wynn against Eric Spicely. Spicely's been out of the UFC for a while. Um, and he took this fight at short notice. Darren Wynn is um he fights at AKA. He's a protege of Daniel Cormier. And like I've I've seen him fight I saw him fight in Bellator. He fight he fought on the um Golden Boy card, Tito V Liddell. Uh and he, he's always looked good. But you just wonder because he's he's short. I think he's like five five six five six something like that and um you know he he's fighting at a light heavyweight so you're kind of like oh i don't know is is this the right card for him um but god damn it he he was so freaking impressive, he was ducking punches, um, and just landing, no, actually, I don't think he's like heavyweight, I think he was, um, he's middleweight, yeah, yeah, like, what do you, I think that'd be crazy, right, but, um, yeah, he was, he was ducking punches, and then just landing, and just coming forward, like, I think a word you could use to describe him would be relentless because man he showed no fear and it was pretty fast paced for the full three rounds it did slow down a bit in the third but with how these dudes were going you you can't fault them for that you can't say oh they got bad cardio because the pace of this fight was crazy and that was the first fight of the card that was the fight past prelims you know what i mean it was yeah it was insane 
insane people. Um, another great fight on the prelims, and um, yeah, this one. <laughs> oh my god! So you have um Alan Crowder against Jarzinho Rosentrust, um, and this fight. It was friggin' crazy. It went nine seconds. Nine seconds. So this is the f- second fastest finish in UFC heavyweight history. I've been trying to wrap my mind who was the fastest. It may have been Junior Dos Santos against Kane. But I'm not quite sure. But this fight, it was the second. Jarzinho, he didn't even get punched. He, he um, yeah, just stepped in, landed a jab, put Crowder down, and then just finished him off with just two blows, ground and pound. It was vicious. It was vicious. You just think, oh, who the fuck wants to fight Jarzinho? It's like, whoa. Like, you know, I could imagine... If Greg Hardy wins his next fight, this would actually be a good fight to make. You know, I think they're both. I think they're both pretty um much similar when when it comes to the uh, um experience level. So uh, yeah, the, I think this would be um a, a great fight great fight to have uh then man matt wyman against luis pena violent bob ross again matt wyman he's been out of the ufc for four years four years he came back and he came back looking to fight like luis pena who is a roommate of darren Wynn. they're both aka and so Enya, like after seeing Wynn just throw down, you know that he was just like, shit, I gotta bring it. And one thing about Pena in, in his few fights in the UFC, sometimes he doesn't fully use his range. And sometimes you wonder about the shots he's throwing. Because like he doesn't always seem to plant his punches or put anything behind them it's just throwing something out so it's easy to walk through and with a frame like he's and a reach like he's he's got a 78 inch reach so you should be able to hold anyone at bay with that um in this fight god damn it he, he seemed to put that shit together he did at times um negate his own reach and go in for clinches and stuff like that but he was very good oh he was very like it went free it went the full free um but well no it i mean it went three rounds and it got stopped just before the end um but you have to say Pena won every round he looked so dominant in this fight it's like he's um yeah fine it looked like he'd finally put everything together 
and it was a a very good performance really i mean, it, it'll be very interesting to see who he goes up against next because i think that will be very telling and it will really show his um evolution as a fighter um Andrea Levy, Mont- Montana De La Rosa was a good fight. That was a good fight. Um, well, actually, let, let's let, let's start off um, completely on the main card. So you had Kevin Holland against. Um, no, you know what? Even before that, gotta bring up Dan Ige against Kevin Aguilar because. Again, this was a war. It was, it was insane. This fight was just crazy. They they were both went at each other like just two tanks on the front line, just flinging bombs, flinging bombs. Um, Ige was he clearly won the first. Aguilar came back in the second because he got a few takedowns. But you could even say that Ige won the second. And in the third, like Aguilar still was looking good still, but Ige just poured it on. Just poured it on. It's like a volcano, you know, when they erupt and the lava is just coming down. And you know, nothing's stopping that. Nothing is stopping that. It's just devastating that was Dan Ige in this fight just straight up devastating and um yeah he he definitely looks like he is a contender at a 145 at featherweight yeah 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 no that's fair I always get featherweight and flyweight mixed up in my head but yes, that's featherweight. And Ige looks like he could definitely be a force in that division. Alright, so the main card started off with Kevin Holland against Alessio DiCirio. Um This was an okay fight. It was an okay fight. The crazy thing about this fight was that Kevin Holland, it looked like he clearly injured his arm, his shoulder on the takedown in the first round. But the Cheerio didn't seem to like him and his corner just didn't seem to pick up on it. Because you kind of feel that if he had really, really gone after Holland, he probably could have won this fight. Um because Holland yeah, he looked like he was compromised. Chichirio didn't, and Holland took a um a decision win. Um, yeah, Chichirio was not happy about it, and you have to think, but you didn't push. Like if you had really gone after it, then you probably would have won that fight, and he didn't. So he really only has himself to blame, you know. But yeah, that that's fighting for you, man. We then had Andrea Lee against Montana De La Rosa. And, um, right, so the thing about this fight is, like, Andrea Lee, you know, clearly just crazy on the feet. 
You know, she's got that kickback, kickboxing Mai Tai background. So really looks good on her feet. Um, and De La Rosa, just a savage on the ground. So the thing about this fight was you wondered, can De La Rosa um, be stopped on the ground? You know, can Lee hold her off? And I'd seen Lee on the ground in Invicta. She's not been terrible. Not been terrible at all. But, you you know, the impression is that Montana had the um, the better ground game. Um, yo, this fight. God, that, look, it wasn't just the dudes that were warring. And I have to say, I have to say, um, Irina Lipsky and Molly McCann on the pre, on the, um, uh, the prelims and Ashley Yoda against Suri Kondo, they both were game fights as well. You know, I have to give those, all of those girls props because they threw down too. But yeah, Andrea Lee, Montana De La Rosa. Woo! This was a fight, people. This was a fight. And Lee really showed her class on the feet. Really showed her class. It, it was, yeah, crazy. Really fucked um, De La Rosa up, man. She was bleeding. She was cut. Like, there was a couple of occasions where De La Rosa got Lee down. I think in the first. And I think in the third. Yeah, I think, I think two, two occasions when Lee was, like, you thought, oh, oh, could this be it? But nope, Lee um, stayed calm and, yeah, really just was able to, um, you know, get out of those bad positions and then just dominate the fight. She really did dominate this fight. Now, Montana, yeah, she showed a lot of heart. You know, it wasn't a pushover or anything like that. But, yeah. You you just couldn't see Lee losing this fight. So it was a good win. Good win for KGB. Next up we had Brian Bam Bam Barbarina against Randy Rude Boy Brown. Oh, so um Barbarina was coming off a fight of the night with uh Vicente Luque and Randy Brown was coming off of a freak knockout. To Nico Case. So both. You feel both had something to prove. In this fight. You know Barberine I think. That he, he does have fight IQ. And it's not just about wars. And Randy Brown. That you know. That knockout was just a freak. It was a freak thing that happened. And uh, yeah. He's a force. And this fight. Oh my. It was another, I don't know what was going on with this fight card. If there's something in the water in South Carolina, or if, you know what I mean, there was a talk at the end and they said, you know, behind um, behind closed doors before it all started. And they said, look, if you, if you war, you get money because there were so many wars, man. And this was no different. Both of them went 
at it. It like, but Brown always looked like he he was um, the more proficient of the two. He was able to um, just bob and weave and avoid Barbarina's attacks, and then counter, and especially he he really utilised his height. And was throwing a lot of, uh, I don't know, like, I guess you'd call them a, a, a jumping knee. But it, it, was, it was more like he, ju- he was just able to bring his knee up. There wasn't as much jumping, but he was just bringing his knee up really quickly, really high. And he caught Barbarina a few times with that. He was able to use his 78-inch reach really well. And, um, yeah, he 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 really took it to Barbarina. Um, but Barbarina, a lot of heart. He's a gangster in there, you know. Uh, and, and, and so, you know, he was land... He did land punches. He did land punches. He did take Brown down a couple of times. But he couldn't really hold Brown down. He couldn't really dominate when he had top position. Um, and I, I don't know why. Maybe it was a, a, a bad weight cut or something. But in the third round, like Brown was landing to the body. He landed a front kick to the body that you could clearly see had Barbarina feeling away. Then he landed some punches and a knee. And, yeah, that was it. That was it. You know, referee jumped in. Barbarina crumpled to the ground. Referee had to jump in and stop that fight. So it was a great finish for Brown. Um, and, you know, this this I wouldn't really say this fight diminishes Barbarina. Because he really went for it. He went for it. He showed mad heart. I don't think it diminishes him, you know. Uh, next up, Andre Yule against Anderson Dos Santos. Dos Santos. Um, another war, people. Another freaking war. These two were throwing, throwing hard at each other. But the thing was, they, they were throwing and everything, but Yule always looked that step ahead, always looked like he was just that little bit sharper than, um, you know, Dos Santos, and um, yeah, I, I think it's a fact, you know, he's 5'11", he had a 75-inch reach, you know, I, Dos Santos was, isn't small, he's 5'7", with a 71-inch reach, but Yule, he really utilised the reach to be able to hit him from a distance and avoid taking damage himself. You know, he he, yeah, he like marked the Santos up and just seemed to be able to land at will and then be gone. You know, he was in and out. It, it was like the Santos was trying to find him. He must have thought that you was a Scarlet Pimpernel in there. You know what I mean? Hey, it it was 
a really good performance from Mule. A really good performance. It was one of those fights that I think, you know, it, it, the, it, I think the bantamweights are definitely going to look at this and think, ooh, <laughs> he is one that maybe I don't want to fight next. You know, because, yeah, he, he, he looked good. He looked really good. So, um, hey, that what it was, uh, and that was the co-main event. There's, I don't know what happened with the Rump, Rob Font, um, the uh, Lineker fight, but um, yeah, that that got pulled. So Yul dos Santos was the co-main, and it was a really good co-main event. So that set up the main event of the evening. It was scheduled for five rounds. Renato Morocano against Chan Song Yoon. Otherwise known as the Korean goddamn zombie people. And, uh, yeah. Oh, my God. Like, everything about this... You're thinking it's going to be a crazy fight. It's going to be a crazy fight. They're both coming off losses. Morocano lost to um, Aldo. You know, he didn't look bad in that fight. But then Aldo just poured it on and took him out in a second. Then um, Zombie against Yaha Rodriguez. He, it, you know, if that had gone to the cards, Zombie would have won that fight. You know, he looked like he was winning that fight. And I'd say kind of clearly winning the fight. And then he just got hit with a second to go with that motherfucking crazy backwards upwards elbow. So, look, both were coming off losses, but we know both guys are extremely talented. So, this really had the markings for an awesome main event. Oh, it was a good main event. It definitely was. But, people, it it didn't go down. It did not go down how you thought. I think everyone thought it was going to be a war. Was dumb, like, hey, not even a minute into the first round. It was crazy. Morocano threw a jab. Zombie, he, 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 um, you know, he flowed with it, came back with a left, then a right hook. Morocano went down. Oh my god, he went down. He looked so hurt. And then Zombie just swarmed him, took his back, mounted him, landed punches. Like at one point you thought, is he gonna sling in a in a, in a choke? He flattened him out and then just ground and pounded the fuck out of him. And the referee had to stop the fight. There's nothing else he could do, had to stop the fight. It was crazy. It was crazy. Oh, man. 
such such an insane fight the and people yeah this card it was an insane card so many wars so many wars so it's just like look this was the ufc's first time to greenfield south carolina and a those cats in greenville had to walk out of that arena happy as fuck because this yeah that they were not disappointed with this fight card you know sometimes we've had people moan about these um these cards and say look they don't have huge names on or anything like that but everyone on this card delivered and then some so um yeah Really looking forward to next week because we've got um, Francis Ongano against Junior Dos Santos. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to that one. And uh, you'll be able to hear it all next Wednesday. Yep, yep. So, after really enjoying season one, I thought it was time to um get back to it. So this week I watched um Joe Swanberg's season two of Easy. Uh so if you don't know, Easy follows several individuals living in Chicago who are trying to navigate issues such as love, relationship and even knowledge um you know it's been said that it's a microscopic portrayal of the different varieties of modern love which you know i mean you really do see that when when you watch all the episodes you know because they're all very different but love is always the uh, like the the undercurrent the supporting cast member you know um it's like an anthology format you know all all the episodes are really uh, basically standalone um but some have like recurring narratives and um yeah, so we follow certain characters and relationships through the seasons. Like, um, you know, there's there's the uh, the couple Kyle and Andy. Um, there's also like Mark Moran's Jacob, um, Kate Mikuki's Annie. You know, like. Yeah, these are these are all characters that we see. Um, Jacqueline Tobin's Joe. Um, yeah, there, there, there's there's yeah these characters that kind of run over um, through the seasons. And another thing as well, um, even with episodes that don't focus on certain characters. We still sometimes see them in the background 
or they might have a few lines to say, they might be a supporting character, you know, so it's kind of nice, because it shows, you know, it, it shows that it really is set in a place, because, you know, you watch these programs that are meant to be set in a place, and we'll see some people, and then you never see them again, and you're like, yo, if it's just meant to be, you know, this close kind of knit community, and all of this, surely, like, some people would cross paths, and stuff like that, so it's really nice that this happens, you know, sometimes the camera will pan, and you'll just see certain characters in a nightclub in the background, so it's just as simple as that, but it just really helps connect everything together and show, you know what I mean, just what this is, and um, yeah, I, I really, uh, I, re I mean, I really enjoy that kind of aspect of things, um, so yeah, season two is eight episodes, um, you know, they include Package Thief, Open Marriage, Side Hustle, Spent Grain, Conjugality, um, Prodigal Daughter, Lady Cha-Cha, and Baby Steps, and, um, yeah, I've, Again, I think I really enjoyed this. I really enjoyed this. It, it was it was nice to see these these kind of different things, you know. Because like in the first episode, package thief. I think the title says it all. It's like, you know, natively the, the, these neighbors living in a really nice little community are finding that someone is stealing their packages. And it's the reaction to this and how people can change when they feel like their their um utopia is getting threatened. And so we see this and we see how everyone has a different reaction to it. So I thought that was really interesting because then you're also seeing couples have different reactions. So it's like, oh, how are they going to navigate this? So, yeah, I mean, that was it's an interesting way to open things up, especially because it wasn't like a, a, a narrative that had been looked at in season one. So season two, we're back with. Andy and Kyle, who we met in season one, and um, yeah, they decide to venture into the idea of an open marriage, I mean, that's the title of the uh, episode, so I don't think I've dropped any spoilers there, but um, yeah, it, it's how are they going to deal with this? So it's interesting because you you get the kind of impression that, you know, one of them is more keen than the other. You know, like one is, I think one of them is kind of 
it seems that they're down. They're really down for it. But they don't want to fully admit that, yeah, they're looking forward to just fucking other people. You know? So it, it's it's very interesting. And then I think you see one person who once that opportunity comes up, you wonder if they're really kind of into it, if they've kind of realised that actually, maybe, you know what I mean, this isn't, like, they're not really just that sexual, you know? But, yeah, we, we see all of these kind of things. So it's kind of interesting, you know, because it's a look at this. And I think it's a look at it without, um, I, guess, I mean, I guess it's without, like, you know, a, a, a skewed lens. But I suppose, you know, it like, it is probably painted in a, in a positive way. But, um, yeah, you know, I, 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 it's probably not, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's as, um, kind of closed off as sometimes you see these kind of things approached. Okay, so, um, yeah, like, and other things that are touched on here are like, um, in some of the other episodes, it's just like the idea of um, people working as like cool girls, but you know what I mean. Without it being like, oh, you know, I got into this because I was abused, or I got into this because you know my ex forced me, or you know, because that's one of the typical kind of they're the typical stories you hear. Oftentimes when, um, you know, people talk about how they got into that kind of um, work. But this wasn't that. So, yeah, we're, we're seeing, again, we're seeing things from a different viewpoint. So that makes it interesting, you know. And then it's just like, okay, so once um, this is revealed to some people... How are they going to react? And how will they react when you're in a situation where you're kind of bumping into people from all these different kind of um, intersections of your life? So, yeah, that, that was like, oh, interesting. So, yeah. Um I think another, like, thing that's kind of touched on with, um, with this season, I think, I think it's communication. Because in every episode, that it seems to be the under, underpinning element, you know? It's like, um, in the first episode, it's, Everyone trying to communicate how they feel about, um, you know, packages being stolen and how everyone's going to deal with this situation. Because people kind of react in different ways, which throw other people off. You know, so you've got that, 
like the communication isn't as strong as it should be you know open marriage again communication they talk about it in therapy um and then it's okay so if we're gonna do this how do we communicate it with each other you know like again when when, with the whole um you know cool girl situation it's like communicating with the different people in your life so all right how do we approach this situation how about this situation how about this situation we then um in another episode spent grain we um touch base with the uh brewery brothers again you know who we met in season one um and yeah communication definitely is off with the brothers but with the girlfriends communication has become a lot better so yeah you know we're, like we're moving like um you know episode five deal we got back with mark Marin, um his character jacob and it's the the re-release of his first graphic novel he's trying to um you know reconnect with his ex-wife who um the first graphic novel was about but then it all falls apart in the following editions so yeah all of that episode is straight up communication and how it's not working how it's falling apart how you think it's there but then other things kind of completely backfire um like in episode seven lady cha-cha we're back with chase and joe and yeah like oh man you know you know there's definitely things that are um kind of clashing with this you know and and i think it makes you know joe question herself and her uh, her relationship with the idea of feminist femi- feminism so um yeah that's uh that was interesting and then we end with um baby steps which is a return with Annie's character who you know she was involved in the uh the threesome in episode one you know so um in this episode you know she's kind of dealing with her um, desire to be a, a mother and and all of that and it, you know it was interesting it, it was a nice little episode I think the only episode that I really ah oh, I didn't like it was um episode six prodigal daughter um just because I I didn't think it really looked at a lot of elements that were taking place in this episode so we've got um you know the daughter of a couple that we see in um the package thief episode 
And so, you know, they they catch their daughter doing something that she shouldn't be doing. So, uh, you know, the only thing they're like, well, look, we're going to treat you as an adult. We're not telling you not to do these things and all of that. But the one thing we're going to ask you to do is come to church with us every Sunday. So, um, yeah, she then acts out. She acts out. And, you know, like, I just felt that the episode, they featured too much on, like, oh, look, yeah, she was really, oh, you know, she was really trying to help and she was really trying to do this and blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, you know, fine, you can say that, but. It, it's you know I think it's evidently clear that at the beginning what she was doing was trying to spite her parents which you know it's an immature reaction especially a reaction to the fact that you're being told look we're going to try and treat you like an adult all right we're just asking you to do this one thing with us so you know in instead of doing that i mean effectively she does kind of steal from her parents but these things aren't addressed you know it's just that typical it became a bit typical um network tv i felt this episode because it really just sugarcoated everything which I found disappointing, because it was just like, you know, at the end, it's just like, oh, you know, the the, the act she did to spite her parents, like, it didn't go as she thought it should do, you know, so instead of going, all right, you know what, yeah, I get it, this, you know, Things in life don't always go to the narrative that we have predicted. She just kind of like storms off again. And then, you know, you see her at the end and like people are just trying to console her and be like, oh, but, you know, yeah, you, of course you try to act out against your parents, you know, blah, 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 blah. But no one was just a bit like, yeah, but, you know. We understand, but you have to understand as well that what you did, you know, essentially it was theft. You know, you did that. And instead of communicating with your parents, you went behind their back again and again. Yeah, but this isn't touched on. This, like, it would have been more powerful if like you know these things were addressed and you know she was just like all right yeah because you know you you have her at the very end be like oh yeah i'm sorry but it's just like but you haven't said what you're sorry for you know it's easy to just go i'm sorry oh let's hug now you know but it's just a bit like all right but what what have you learned from this what have you understood you know, because look, 
we always make mistakes in life it's just a natural thing no one's perfect but the thing is what do we take away from from this and i don't even know what she took away that's the thing we're left going yeah what did she actually take away from this you know what did she actually take away from this situation because she's not going hungry she's not going without so like you're trying to say that your parents are this but then what does that make you you know what I mean? so uh, yeah i just felt that that episode yeah it was just a bit too network a bit too sugar-coated and it didn't really fit in with everything else you know, because everything else really seemed to kind of really it like push the barriers uh, and kind of have an interesting look at, um, you know, ideas of conflict and love and, you know, what we need, how we see ourselves and, and, and these kind of things. But, uh, yeah. You know, other than that, I thoroughly enjoyed the rest of the season. And, uh, yeah, really looking forward to um, season three, the last season. So I'm just like, oh, how is that all going to get tied up? You know what I mean? Oh, I have to say, I re- <laughs> there is um, at the end of episode five, conjugality with um mark maron i really like the way it ended you know this is just like he's trying to make a point trying to make a point and then he's just like oh but <laughs> you know what i mean okay fine it, it, it things have fallen in my favor so i'm mad at you but all right cool <laughs> and and so that was that was funny because it's just like he, the character is clearly trying to evolve and change and be better but there's still these these things where he's just a bit like yeah fuck it it's all about me man it's still all about me so yeah i enjoyed that i enjoyed that but um yeah again very much recommend this so um check out season two of easy it hit netflix um december 2017 so uh you'll be able to get all eight episodes you know what i mean there and uh yeah we'll we'll, we'll touch base on season three in the upcoming weeks all right cool okay so after reading um book one in the Great Coat series by Sebastian de Castell, which was Traitor's Blade, I was a bit like, yeah, I enjoyed that. So um, let me pick up book two, which is Night's Shadow. And the gist of the book is this. Following his um, beloved debut, Traitor's Blade, Sebastian de 
Castle returns with volume two of his fast-paced fantasy adventure series, inspired by the swashbuckling action and witty banter of the Three Musketeers. Night Shadow continues the series with a thrilling and dark tale of heroism and betrayal in a country crushed under the weight of its ruler's corruption. A few days after the horrifying murder of a duke and his family, Falco Valmond, swordsman and first cantor of the Greatcoats, begins a deadly pursuit to capture the killer. But Falco soon discovers his own life is in mortal danger from a poison administered as a final act of revenge by one of his deadliest enemies. As chaos and civil war begin to overtake the country, Falco has precious little time left to stop those determined to destroy his homeland. Um, I do think this is a bit misleading because he pretty much, like, the book starts with him knowing he's been poisoned. So, yeah, we, we had that. Um... And, uh, yeah, you know, so this is the thing, right? As I said, look, I, I did enjoy the first seri- the first book. Um, there were a couple of points that was a bit like, mm, ah, was that needed? But for the most part, yeah, I, I, I very much enjoyed it. So, I, ah, it was very frustrating, like, you know, picking up this book, there's it the, the way it started. I was just like, ah, god damn it! Like straight away, I was just a bit vexed. Just because, so we have hit started off with him being like going, oh, I'm poisoned, and so like just straight away. So from that, you you kind of get a lot. You know, you understand a lot of how this book is going to go. You know, so there's that. Then, I think we've got the whole kind of idea of um, Aline. Um, You know, like knowing everything that went down in book one. And so she does something at the very beginning of this, like just wanders off. And you're just like what that makes no sense whatsoever i don't buy it don't buy it so yeah so there's that and it's just like oh what are you doing sebastian and then like the the biggest thing that it just vexed me so much in this book was just this now you, you like I, 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 and, and straight away, especially after the way things happen in book one, it, it seems that, um, you know, this fake, false, or should I say forced um, rivalry with the tailor starts to happen. And it's just a bit like, oh man, what, what, like, Come on, this is too, it's just too predictable, 
Like, you know, I will say there was a moment at the end of book one where you do be like, all right, I get it. You know what I mean? The tailor's going to have some scheming. I think that's pretty clear. And that was one of the things that frustrated me about book one. You know, but it was just a minor thing. So I'm just like, overall, it doesn't really spoil the enjoyment of book one. But starting book two straight with, all right, now, oh, yeah, there's there's animosity between Falco and the tailor. And, you know, Kesty and, and uh, you know, the others with the, with the tailor. It was just a bit like, what? Why though? You know what I mean? It is a bit like that doesn't make any that what that that makes no sense. That makes no sense whatsoever. You know, because it's just like why would you kind of force this situation straight out the gate? Because you have like the the fact that in book one you've kind of stated that this woman helped them out, you know, did all of this stuff, you know, it's then revealed that she's the, the mother of the king, you know, you, you have it also that she, um, she raised, uh, oh my god, what's the name of the, uh, the girl, um, Oh God! It's um, uh, it's it's on the tip of my tongue, people. Valiana, God damn it! Yes, that's the one. Yeah, so she um, she raised Valiana under the disguise of Mattia. So we have this, but then all of a sudden, you know, like. They don't trust a word this woman's saying. And it's all all of this. And it's a bit like, wait, how is it that trust is so easily lost? You know, that's what we're... Because we've got Valiana siding with um, Falcio. Even though she's known Falcio for hardly any time. But has known the tailor for ages. So it's all a bit weird. You know, d- just the kind of set up the conceit that okay, so now the these these warriors, these heroes are up against like this woman and oh oh th- these great coats aren't your great coats and it's a bit like ugh come on man because you you know it's just a bit like Fine, I can look, I can understand certain things, right? So, because you've got it that Falco, like, say a word against the king and he'll try and kill you. Say a word against Greatcoats and he'll try and kill you. But he shows a lot of disrespect for other people. So, but if you have that, if you have that recognised within the story, fine. fine. But it never is. It never is. It's never kind of like, ah, yeah, it's one of my flaws. I'm just hot-tempered. I'm, I'm easily riled. Yeah, but it's never addressed like that. So it's just silly. 
And then as the story goes on, you know, you have it that Valiana can't fight. And then suddenly she's like, oh, yeah, she can be one of the best, the greatest great coach. And you're just like, oh, really? Really? And that's the, that's like just the problem with what for me. It's the problem I had with this book that, you know, I think everything is just, it's so transparent all the way through. It's just so, you know exactly what's going to happen. You know how it's all going to fall out. And it just makes it a bit just like, ugh, I can't, I can't enjoy it. Like, I don't, if I hadn't have read Traitor's Blade... I think this would have been, none of these things would really have been an issue. But once you've read Traitor's Blade and you can see how things were left, you can see how characters were, the relationships that were supposedly formed. So then starting this book and finding it that, oh, so you've decided to create friction. It's a bit like, Oh, it just rings a bit false. It just rings a bit like forced. And that's the thing. Like there's an issue of Kest in the book. And like pretty much straight away we're told how you, you can resolve it. But for some reason they just don't go, all right, Kest, you need to do this. It's a bit like, well, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll sort it out later. And so you're just like, oh, God. So I know that it's going to become another issue a bit later on. You know, that's just too predictable. And yeah, that and so that's the thing. I mean, that's my whole thing with this book. It suddenly became so predictable, so forced. And it just... Yeah, I was unable to enjoy it. But I think, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I get I get a bit like I can't I find it difficult to um you know have that air of disbelief with certain things a lot of the time. You know, I, I think when when things are written in a certain way, I can definitely get behind it. Like when you read stuff from Mark Lawrence in his books and Joe Abercrombie, love that stuff. Miles Cameron, awesome books, great storyteller. And and it's never predictable. You know, like I like the twists, I like the the ideas and, and all of that that comes out. So I think a lot of things I, I probably compare a lot of things to this stuff, and so it just disappoints. But I, I, you know, I think. Look, if you enjoy a light read, you know what I mean. I, I, I would say, look, if you're a fan of the Hunger Games series, you know, because I love the first book. The the next two, ugh. But if you are a fan of Catching Fire and Mockingjay, I think you would like this book. You know, I think you'll be fully behind it and you'll enjoy it for sure. Because while my friends read it, she really enjoyed it. So this is the thing. It's like, look, 
I, I'm cr I'm a cranky motherfucker. <laughs> if you haven't realised that by now, you know. What I mean? So um, yeah, I I can be wrong, people. I know it's rare, but it it, it, it is something that sometimes sometimes happens. Yeah, crazy as that may be. So um, you know, I'm you you may very much enjoy this, but. If you um, you know, it, it it if the things that I have said like bug me would bug you, then you know this is useful, hopefully. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, you know, if you um want to continue the series, like book three is Saints Blood. Book four is Tyrant's Throne. Um, so you can grab those on Audible. Um, and Night Shadow by Sebastian de Castel. It was read again by Joe Jameson. And Joe does, does a decent job with the narration. So, uh, yeah, Night Shadow is book two in the Great Coat series. And you can grab it on Audible. Audible. Okay, people. So yes, we um yeah we're getting to the end of another episode. You know, man, do I wish I was still in friggin' New York right now. Uh yo, gets it going was absolutely fine. You know, I had no issues whatsoever. Coming home, oh my god, there was so everyone was so rude. Like at the train state, trying to get assistance at the train station was murder. It was like I was forcing people to, um, I like choose which family member to kill. You know what I mean? It was just, it was so unhelpful, so rude. It was crazy. Then on the the airport was insanely unorganized and um yeah did think that maybe i was gonna make the flight it was so crazy and then they they fucked up but they're shouting at everyone like we're all to blame for their bullshit got on the plane all the food had smarties in so i couldn't even eat once i was on the plane it was just ugh, it wasn't great then get back to the UK, Gatwick was insane, so many issues, and then an old man tries to pick a fight with me, and then his extended family try and jump in, so I'm just like, all of you people can go fuck yourselves, it was just like, oh, yeah, wasn't great, wasn't great. But we're here, you know what I mean, podcasts are coming out, doing a thing, trying to make some moves, so hopefully we can speak on those in the coming weeks, but yeah, let's do a bit of news. So, um, David E. Kelly is making his return to um, TV with um, an adaptation of The Lincoln Lawyer. For CBS. Um, now, 
Lincoln Lawyer was made into a film in 2011 starring Matthew McConaughey. And it's a ra- about a, a guy, a lawyer called Mickey Haller, who rides around in a Lincoln Town car. Um, and the interesting thing is, he so the, the his books are written by Michael Connolly, who has um, written the Harry Bosch series that is being adapted at this moment by Amazon and has just been renewed for a sixth season. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think probably CBS saw how successful the, um, the Bosch is doing and so decided that, yeah, why don't we get a piece of that? And, um, yeah, so they are um, doing their own version. Supposedly, there's not going to be any crossover, though. But, meh, you know, who really cares, right? And I don't know if anyone really expected, because CBS, Amazon, they're different things, right? Um, Okay, so the next is... um, So, Steve McQueen... Uh, he is, um, he's working on a, um, a new TV series for Amazon. Um, it's going to be an anthology series and it's called Small Acts. Yeah, so, um, it's going to premiere on the BBC over here and then, um, all of you cats in the States will be able to watch it on Amazon. Uh, so, he's McQueen's going to direct and Lucy Richer will be the executive producer. Um, now, it's going to be set in London. Um, the show's going to be six parts. Uh, which start in 1960s and tell stories from the English capital's West Indian community as they deal with an often hostile environment. Five stories will be told across the series, with the first taking up the initial two hours of the season. Um, And... uh, John Bialga and Letitia Wright have both scored major parts in a TV show. Um, yeah, so um, like the roles haven't um, been, uh, you know, um, discussed or anything like that. But yeah, as as I just said, look, it's going to start in the 1960s and it will run all the way through to the 1980s. Um, also, uh, Maliki, Kirby, Sean Parks, Roshenda Sandal, Alex Jennings and Jack Loden have also secured roles in the series. Um and it's currently shooting in London. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'd imagine that this might drop later in the year. We will see. But, people, that is it 
for another episode, our anniversary episode of um, Echoes from the Void. So, um, yeah, I'll be back next week. But remember, tomorrow will be Echo Chamber. And I think it might be a little toy orientated. All right, people. Peace.